0: This is a warning from the future. Video games will
1: rot your brain and cause the apocalypse. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Conversation Tree podcast. It is Sunday the 2nd of October and I am the same person I've been <laughs> on the previous five episodes. I'm uh, one of your hosts, John...
2: John... Jonathan?
1: Whichever. You
2: look so confused.
1: I <laughs> am. I suddenly can't remember if I call myself John or Jonathan on this, but... I oh, I try both. not
2: to call you anything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and my ever-so-polite co-host is... <laughs> Moi! <laughs> yes.
2: I'm Lydia, and I mean it this time.
1: Damn right. We mean business. Um, we're going to take a... as Well, let me start again. As you well know uh, from listening to every single second of the previous mm. episodes... Uh, What we are trying to do with this podcast is look at games in a grown-up manner, dare I say it, Uh, a quasi-academic manner from time to time, Uh, and just look at how they impact on... Yeah, analyse games in a a sort of grown-up manner. Um, Well, a vaguely grown-up manner. And uh, yeah, just we think that's something that's missing generally in the way that games are discussed Uh, in... Media, online, everywhere. Uh, So what we tend to do is take one particular topic, like last time, for example, we looked at parenting in games and uh, we realised that uh, mothers didn't tend to live if they were (laughs) even referenced at all, ever. Uh, Which is very interesting. But we're going to take a a slightly different tack uh, today rather than pick one particular topic. uh, We've been to a few things and... uh, There was something interesting in Games News recently that's very relevant to Mm. um, our area of expertise as well. Uh, So we're going to kind of dive in and look at a few different things. Uh, And then probably in a fortnight's time we'll be back with uh, one particular topic we'll be going really in-depth in.
2: Mm. Sounds like a plan.
1: So the first thing I thought we could talk about is something that happened to me. This is only a brief uh, a brief thing and tangentially relates to games. Uh, something that happened to me this week: uh, someone tried to mug me for the very first time ever. Um, and
2: woe betide them!
1: Indeed, yeah. Using the skills I've learnt through video games, I was able to hide behind a crate and then <laughs> snipe them uh,
2: through a brick. And then when they stood around wondering what it was,
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, then I died and I respawned and mm-hmm. took them out because I knew where they were going to stand. Uh, it was brilliant.
2: You did enlist some NPC support.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yes, no, I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, But what I did do... I started talking to my mugger and he seemed to get a bit confused Mm -hmm. and uh, I saw a couple walking on the other side of the road and I strolled over the road to them with the mugger following me (laughs) and enlisted them, told them that I was being mugged and he threatened to stab me and would would they mind awfully if I walked with them? (laughs) 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 Uh, Which they fortunately were quite happy to to allow. Um, Even in crazy old London where the first lesson is don't make eye contact with anyone that comes yeah. up to you randomly in the street uh, and so then the mugger threatened them as well and we continued up and eventually equal
2: opportunities mugging yeah that's
1: it um, then yeah we we got to the uh, the top where there were lots of lights and uh, I decided that it might be a good idea if we went into the busy pub uh, which of course our mugger did not do so he wandered off um, and so, so then <laughs> then the three of us got talking which was it was a, quite a nice catharsis for uh, getting rid of uh, some of the, the fear and the confusion about what had been going on. It was also just very nice to meet two new people, one of whom uh, works in the video games industry. So that was nice to start chatting to him, My uh, one of my two saviours, a chap called Paul, uh, works in games PR. And um, one of the first things we were talking about afterwards was... They'd been out and they'd had to, they hadn't quite got the train they'd wanted to get, so they'd had to change. So if they had got the other one, they wouldn't have been there. And I only made my train by about 30 seconds. So I would have been about a quarter of an hour later. So
0: hmm. the
1: muggers may have been long gone by then having mugged someone else. Um, and so the, there was a lot of, you know, that kind of sliding doors thing mm. of what if. Um, but rather than mentioning sliding doors, we thought about it in terms mm. of the butterfly effect in Until Dawn.
2: Oh, much better than sliding doors, I have to say. <laughs> I've <laughs> not seen sliding oh, doors. Oh, it's atrocious. I think I'd
1: rather replay oh, Until Dawn. Ending.
2: ending. Oh, Spoilers. Just that it's crap. That's all you need to know.
1: Unlike Until Dawn. Yes. Which, uh, which is very good. Yes. You do look forward replay. But yeah, so th- that doesn't particularly lead into any great analysis about games impacting on culture and uh, vice versa. It's just nice to have them referenced in a sort of everyday situation.
2: There is some uh, a Guardian piece which we ought to dig. Sorry, I've just found a lot of dust on our four PS4. What kind of gamers are we? <laughs> um, there is a Guardian piece which I should dig out at some point. It's a few years old and it's a woman, uh, written by a woman who is a gamer and a games journalist and had been contributing things to the Guardian Games section. And then one day she was walking along the street, minding her own business down a residential street, and a woman came out of one of the ordinary-looking houses screaming for help. And there was no one around except the, the writer. Um, and So the writer ran up to the woman to see what she could do, and the, the woman that had come out of the house was largely incoherent, um, but panic-stricken. So the writer very trepidatiously took herself inside the house and the first room she came to was covered in blood and there was a body on the floor and he'd had some kind of he'd had some kind of long-term illness and um had had a i guess an aneurysm can an aneurysm be external he started he started hemorrhaging somehow somewhere and was unconscious from blood loss and the woman writing this piece said she had a very split second reaction Um, of self-preservation, which is, I don't know what I'm getting into. There's blood. This is creepy. I want to go home. And equally quickly the reaction of if this were a video game what would i do (laughs) and she made she made a conscious choice to treat it like a video game and could go up to the man could check for a pulse found he was still alive couldn't didn't want to get too involved with the injury because i think she said described it as a dark room so she really couldn't tell what was going on but stayed with him while she called the ambulance and waited for them and then wrote about it up afterwards very conscious that video games had given her Hmm. the sense of calm to save this man's life <laughs> so take that making everyone violent
1: yeah so maybe my um engaging the mugger in conversation was actually um came about partly through all the conversation trees that I've gone through over the years with yeah, maybe. Uh, Geralt and uh <laughs> what's that an
2: Undertale where you can talk yourself out of any violent situation yeah let's yeah, try that yeah
1: um, though I am put off by the art style of it
2: A little bit, shouldn't be. at least it so, looks deliberate but... yeah. yeah, I know
1: um, But yeah, so that's I, I don't know, there was a lot more that I wanted to talk about On that, but it was uh, Yeah, just nice to randomly bump Into someone who's in the video games industry And uh, and that Yeah, the the illusions that, that We made were instantly About video games rather than things which Get referenced more Like sliding doors or uh, whatever it may be mm. Rashomon
2: is that that's,
1: oh no that's the same thing from different perspectives isn't it
2: what's um, that new game that's out well new, new-ish um, that ties into a TV show with time travelling
1: oh Quantum Break
2: yeah quantum. that one
1: sounds like a futuristic chocolate I puff. just
2: noticed <laughs> time for a quantum break yeah. uh, I just noticed that you didn't reference that because mm. I haven't played it it looks like
1: pants, <laughs> and it's only on the Xbox, I think. So I can't. Oh, play is it? it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so the other thing uh, that we've done that was more intentional in the last couple of weeks uh, was go to EGX for the first time. Mm. Um, that was nice. It was indeed, yeah. Mm. Which also my uh, my mugging saviour had nice. uh, <laughs> been at in a sort of small world type thing. And...
2: B no, M B F S. What? I don't know. You're mugging best friend savior. (laughs)
0: Yeah, okay,
1: something like that.
2: This is why I don't have (laughs) Um,
1: yes. So uh, there's been a lot about EGX reported already. It was five days up in Birmingham. Uh, we only went along for one day, um, and if you listen to our very first episode, that that was just after we'd been to Develop Brighton, which was a video games event for the industry, for developers specifically, and uh, that was very interesting and had a a really nice vibe to it. So it was very. We were both quite keen to find out what the what the vibe was at the more consumer facing mm-hmm. events. Um and I was quite pleasantly surprised, yeah. I have to say. I thought it was going to be a bit more in your face marketing y.
2: Yeah.
1: You, you hear more things... American. Yeah, that's it. You hear the things about um booth babes and things oh. like that in e... is that E three that has those or had those or places like that. Um and yeah, there wasn't really any of that at all. Um the the, the... There weren't even that many. I thought there would sort of be a few more crazy big booths that were all kitted out in weird ways. There were mm. only actually a couple no. that were. Um, i yeah. thinking Little Nightmares and oh. uh, Mafia. Yeah. And the rest were all
2: just. Mafia didn't of have any areas. interactiveness, though. It was a very ungamey mm. game.
1: It was, yeah. It, were, it was quite telling yeah. that it was a cinema yeah. that the the stand was laid out like. Yeah. And. You were just watching it yeah. and it was presenting itself in a very cinematic fashion. That
2: well, might as be well. interesting to analyze when we do play it from a marketing perspective, because it really is being marketed as a cinematic experience. Um I mean I can tell you much more about the plot of it than what the gameplay's like mm. which I quite like.
1: Yeah, I do, except then so there was the the sort of theatrical trailer if you like and then there was also a bit of mm. a gameplay walkthrough mm. and that all still looks sort of fairly cinematic the way that they'd played through that section yeah. Um, up until the very end of it where there was a yeah. sort of boss if you like the target that he was <laughs> yeah. trying to whack and then <laughs> that became that became so video gamey. No, yeah, it was
2: pulling just... a rocket launcher out of his desk drawer, I believe.
1: Yeah, and uh and yeah, kind of being a bit of a bullet sponge. Mm-hmm. Not like a oh, crazy bullet sponge, yeah. but you know, notably more so than anyone else. And mm-hmm. that, that just kind of really undercut mm-hmm. everything they were trying to do, mm-hmm. I thought. Um What's which... that
2: oil and water thing? Mm-hmm. That uh is it critical critical distance now? I always say distance.
1: I can't remember. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel. I can't um, remember the name of it. We'll drop it into the description or remember yeah. it in five minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Always talks about um, the, the schism that you get in games when the cutscenes are really thematic and emotionally emotional and uh, really striving to tap into viewers' empathy. And then it goes back to a firefight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, or... You know, in this one where he was sneaking around, then he headshotted a couple of people, one shot kill, and then got to the boss and shot him in the head about 50 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't know kind of whether, when you have that in a game, whether the solution is to still market it as yeah. you would a film. And, you know, I can tell why they are marketing. I've not played the the previous two Mafia games, so probably will try this one. Mm-hmm. Um but they are, the style of them is very cinematic, if mm-hmm. you like. And the, um, obviously there are huge numbers of mafia films that they, they're they riffing on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these references to you mean the genre type things. So yeah, it's just such a cinematic genre that mm-hmm. um, it's no surprise really that they go for a very cinematic angle for promoting it. Even if that's not necessarily...
2: Also, Constance I wonder around. I wonder if they're trying to tap into the black player market more than other games are, um, and so they are attempting to look at issues of race, but so far the reviews have been less than pleased with how they've managed it, um, and you can't look at issues of race in a real-world setting and present it as gameplay. No, so I wonder not. if if trying to present it as very worthy cinema is also how they're bringing worth to what is a game with race issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Don't
1: know. I don't know. The I think the in a way maybe that approach at EGX did. Well, I mean, it would have been good to have some kind of hands on with the game as well. Because you really couldn't tell that much. But um with some of the other games, or just the the layout as a whole. So it's yeah, this sort of busy warehouse type thing with a lot of noise and a lot of people and various people on stage yelling things over tanoise and all that kind of thing. So there's all that going on. And then you're trying out games, most of which you're doing with really efficient noise cancelling headphones. Um but there really wasn't—it wasn't much of a way you were going to get sucked into any of the games. No. So they, a lot of them, ended up just feeling like, "Yep, yeah, that's a game. Okay, might that be interesting like later." Yeah, yeah.
2: It's sort of like you'd need to then demo the demo. Yeah. So you had a demo of the game. You thought, "I might be interested in this, this enough that I'd like to demo it later on."
1: Yeah, Oops. and with some of them as well that. Uh, which ones were there? Oh, yeah, uh, Little little Nightmares and Horizon Zero Dawn, both mm-hmm. of which we'd been very excited about. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of which got to play, both of which I enjoyed playing, but it was the same bit that yeah. was playable that we'd seen people um, in the gaming press play on, I don't know, where it was Eurogamer or yeah. outside so Xbox you, or something like
2: that. God, we're going to have. Mass Effect 4-itis very soon. We just see the same bloody thing. Yeah, I think I may may, may just try and
1: avoid it to a degree.
2: Yeah, but then the problem, if you avoid it, then the problem is people keep finding new things to talk about in it because they'll rewatch it and spot Mm. some little, little detail. And then pretty soon they're talking about this amazing detail and you don't know what it is anymore because you've stopped paying attention. Yeah. So then you go back to watch what it is they're on about, and it turns out it's more or less the same thing that you've seen all along, and actually isn't new information.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and with the with these kind of short demos that have been kind of I don't know, like little section that's been specifically on right, that will be the little playable demo bit. It's hard to really gauge what a game is actually like from that, because if I was thinking about it, if you tried Last of Us, let's say, in the same way that we tried Horizon Zero Dawn
0: Mm -hmm.
1: EGX where the the demo for Horizon Zero Dawn that we played uh, well, first of all, they gave us the latest trailer for it, and then a bit of a walkthrough gameplay of it, Uh, and then we went and got to play the bit that we'd seen the walkthrough gameplay of which is kind of a bit weird now I think about it, but um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that it was just we were kind of dropped into the middle, um, of a big field and had to yeah. had some dinosaur robot dinosaurs that we could do things with and sort well, of try to get to somewhere.
2: Well, we couldn't really try to. That was what I wanted to do. There was so much I wanted to explore, and I kept bumping up against a warning that said if I you know carried on, I was leaving the gameplay area and the. The game would redirect me in five, four, three yeah. so that was unsettling, and the only thing left to do then was wander around and kill these poor dinosaurs over and over and over,
1: and yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a part of the game, and probably a big part of the game is killing these dinosaurs,
2: yeah, but, but I'm sure for there's
1: a, going to be a bit narrative more as well.
0: purpose I think.
1: yeah, but that's it there was in terms of getting to feel what the game will be like, it felt like a game. Um, it wasn't it didn't really give me a sense of the character of anything Um, Mm -hmm. whereas maybe playing a bit with a little bit more narrative stuff in as well would have
2: or just giving us something else to play with in the area like I wanted to I think I found a couple settlements that I could almost get to before they told me I was leaving the Mm. gameplay area just let us interact with those yeah even if they I think one was just a burnt down ruin, but I'd really like to have been able to poke around it and try to find out why it was burnt down. Yeah. Just not selling the game very well. Yeah. It's the opposite of overselling.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking with The um, Last of Us. If the 15 minute hands on demo that you got that was your only knowledge of what the game was going to be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, and a few trailers here and mm-hmm. there, was just let's say that bit in the subway mm-hmm. which is one of the first big bits with clickers and yeah throwing bottles or yeah. whatever it is uh, just that feels a bit like a game
2: yeah
1: it's a game yeah
2: in Wondering the context of stuff. last of us it works very well yeah, absolutely. i don't I, I don't think last of us suffers as badly as most games do from the oil and water effect of narrative versus mm. shooting things um because the the um, shooteryness gameplay of Last of Us is very um, moment. Oh, God, I can't speak. It's um, very forward driven. It's very pacey, pacey, mm. and you're aware that you're constantly trying to get through the sec- section to get back to the next yeah. cutscene, the next you know story point, um, and you have a good sense of character throughout. So even though you're severely limited in what you can do as that character, you don't feel that the character has been left on the cutscene doorstep for you to pick up when you get there. Um, So that's an example of, of it kind of balancing the two elements really well. So it leaves me to wonder if Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't balance them, if Horizon Zero Dawn does suffer from oil and water syndrome, or if it was just a... Just,
1: yeah, taken out of context. Yeah,
2: and if it was taken out of context, which I hope is the case, it feels like it's the case, um, then why do they have such a low opinion of their gamers? Why do they think yeah. gamers wouldn't want some blooming story? Because everything that we've seen about the game so far has been very narrative-driven. Mm. Hugely narrative-driven. I mean, we have such a strong sense of the main character, and then we get a sense that she has this father figure, and then there's some kind of tribal elder. There's characters in it. Hello? Yeah. Um. So why would you assume... That people who are queuing up for half an hour to play this game, having just seen these narrative-driven commercials for it, then wouldn't want to experience a narrative-driven game.
1: I know, just experience the bit that plays like
2: mm.
1: games play. Mm. and <laughs> doesn't really distinguish itself. Mm. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, it's not helped by the fact that it's standing kind of about 30 centimetres away from a massive screen as <laughs> well, playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, with, yeah, a lot of noise and all this, that and the other around it. So it's not exactly the ideal environment to really get yourself immersed, even if it was a more immersive sort of
2: I wonder section. if, as games do become more narrative focused over the years, and more, uh, to an extent, introverted. Introverted in, in that they want one player to have an experience with the game, an emotional experience with the game. I wonder if that's going to need to start changing the way games expos present the games. Because some th- the atmosphere of EGX would have been fine for, like, puzzly games. Mm. Or simplistic-y... Simplistic in terms of presentation um, platform-y games, mm. where they're much more mechanical. Yeah because um, those games you really would want to try out and make sure you're you yeah. under, you know you, you're compatible with the logistics of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, we tried Overcooked. Um, oh, yeah, and that, that, that worked, worked perfectly
2: perfect. in a big environment. And, yeah, I mean, playing it with two strangers who were hilarious, and then by the end we were doing so well. By the <laughs> end we had a little queue of people behind us. Not Well, I'm yes, they were queuing up to play the game, sure, but I like to think they were also marvelling at our skill.
1: I'm pretty sure they were taking notes on how I, it was done. It yeah. seems
2: likely, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the perfect game for that kind of environment.
1: But yeah, as uh, as you say, as games are getting more complex narratively, um, yeah, maybe it just needs to rethink the the big bombast mm. type bits. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: which sort of leads me on to my favourite game of EGX. Oh, before I sort of quite into that sort of wanted to talk a bit about how rpgs are defined and what we um, okay. what we mean when we say role-playing game yeah. because
2: yeah there is a little schism isn't there?
1: yeah well, I, it's very odd in in video games it seems to have come to mean a lot of stat fiddling yeah. um, and levelling up. And so, so you'll get games with RPG elements, and that means that there's maybe a bit of crafting in it, or mm-hmm. you get to level up or something like that, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I think there's then you sort of get ones which where there's a bit more choice and consequence, and you've got things like Witcher 3, where you mm-hmm. have more of a say over what Geralt's your play a character. Personality is like, um same with uh Bioware games, things like that. Um where you are much more playing the role of mm-hmm. a character within a certain set of program parameters, but there is a you you are inhabiting it slightly more. Um uh, and oh, which I've mentioned on most podcasts Fable 2 or just generally the Fable series where even more so the world reacts around you depending on what you do and how you behave with NPCs Um, that feels even more like I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much Mm -hmm. that you you do feel like that character on the screen is an extension of you because the things you do something and the people around you react Um, it's not just you hit them with a sword and they react by falling over (laughs) (laughs) or hitting you back um so that that to me is more where I define the role playing and the fact that there's
0: so leveling like consequence. Up and
1: yeah, and the you you get to decide how your character behaves in that world, and that behavior has an effect
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and and yeah, so there are a lot of things where there are binary choices or um are you gonna take the, the paragon route or the uh, Renegade? Mm-hmm. Renegade route, are you know, those things, or there are you know, the more fably ones where it's just you can do whatever you like, really, yeah. um as you're poodling through Albion. Um and so yeah, so that's that's what I like. The that's the immersion factor, I think, for me in the games, the, that that's what really sucks me in and gets me interested. And so for the first time I felt like I had that with VR, um which is mm-hmm. very exciting. Um I've I've only tried a couple of VR games, I think again, develop Brighton in our mm-hmm. after our uh, in our first podcast we talked about VR a bit there. And the games that we played at that point in VR were just variations on Duck Hunt or whatever right, it may be. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. where you just Shooting something, um, it's, you don't have a light gun. Instead, you've got a move controller and goggles on your face, but it's effectively that same that same vibe, um, which is fine and was immersive enough for that kind of game. But it's really of limited appeal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun every now and then, and that's about it.
2: It's novelty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Wii Sports
1: was yeah. was a good novelty, and yeah. then me, um, so. The the game that I really liked was called The Circle, which is being made by a chap who, on his Twitter account, he says that no one can ever pronounce his name, and he spends most of his time correcting people's uh, pronunciation oh, yeah. of his name, so apologies in advance. Uh, Manos uh, who's on the National Film and Television School uh, Games Development MA. Uh, so there was a stand of people from the NFTS Um and I didn't try that many of their games, unfortunately. Um, I think that's one thing I would do differently: is
2: more bigger, better.
1: Uh, <laughs> more smaller, better. I think. Oh right. Uh, try the the smaller games uh, slightly more. I did a a good sort of mix of, of mm. some indie stuff and in progress stuff versus the the big upcoming things I am excited about. But mm-hmm. probably better just to try the the indie ones and try something
0: completely different.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the point actually, because most of them are, are unfortunately just going to fall off the radar because they don't have any kind of marketing budget. Yeah, certainly not enough to compete. So, mm. so yeah, if you can't play them there, and God Almighty, give out business cards, people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if you can't remember what it's called, you're not going to find it again. There were so many games that I had to resort to taking photos of because they hadn't brought any leaflets with them. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Or well, maybe we were on the last day. Maybe they were on. Yeah, don't know. but
2: even so, yeah, you know, they didn't make any effort to to tell me the name of the game or anything yeah. like that.
1: Um. So yeah, so the circle was uh, is a game. It's the the general setup is that you are a bit of a shut in. Having gone through a traumatic experience, and you're investigating something which I had no uh, I hadn't heard of before, but you're just using the internet to research the Toynbee tiles, which is a, a thing in America through the eighties and nineties. A load of tiles were found in the road embedded in roads in various cities, kind of across a, a bit of a swathe of America, which just had weird weird messages in them that
2: what was about this.
1: Yeah, uh, what was it? Uh, th- yeah, they don't all make grammatical sense, I don't think. So it, it was just like the film 2001 idea, Resurrecting the Dead on Jupiter, or something like that oh. was one of them. Um, oh, nice. And I don't think they've ever discovered who was behind it.
2: Oh, it's modern art. <laughs> yeah. If in doubt, modern art.
1: Um, so so yeah, I think that's... I, I didn't get from the demo, I didn't get a sense of that, but from reading about it online since um, that's... Sort of the general setup. Oh, okay. So most of the time, no, no, I think you're split 50-50, whereas some of the time you're sat in front of your computer in your apartment and reading emails, answering phone calls, that kind of thing, looking up this stuff Mm -hmm. and other things that are going on in your life. And separate to that, there are these other third-person, slightly hallucinogenic sections, Ooh. indeed. And the really Much interesting like life. thing, indeed, yeah, <laughs> not enough hallucinogenic sections.
0: <laughs> so are weekends ways... are for uh, yeah. my
1: <laughs> There are ways to solve that, I suppose. Aren't there? <laughs> yeah, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what really, what I really liked about it was that the main character has what's happened to them is that they have been beaten up. They've recently tried to come out as transgender, as a transgender oh my woman. Word. And I think as a part of that they've been beaten up and are now kind of a bit of a shut in as they're recovering. Whoa. Uh so that was very cool.
2: Yeah. Well, cool that games are talking Yeah, about this. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear.
1: Um yeah, there there aren't many other uh apart from Dragon Age Inquisition, <laughs> struggling to think of other Transgender characters in
2: well, they're around um in in massively indie games oh that's
1: it yeah so mainstream um, and again this this is an indie game
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but yeah brilliant that it is up front and centre mm-hmm. um, so in the the sort of real part of it when I sat in front of my computer I went through kind of a a couple of different days time jumped uh, at one point so. The first time, read a couple of emails, then time jumped and had this interim thing, which I'll talk about in a second. And then I was there the, the following day, or whenever it was, and suddenly there were lots of beer bottles on the table as well. Oh, um, okay. And... Well, really
2: is like life.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had an email from someone who said, oh, I tried to call and couldn't get hold of you. I came in and you weren't there. I saw there were lots of empty bottles. I just wanted to check that you're all right. And... The first thing I did was to pick up the bottles and throw them at w- the wall in
2: anger. <laughs> That's what you could choose to do. Uh,
1: yeah, um, okay. but just because you can interact with objects in it, and I'm in, uh, mm-hmm. I'm there inhabiting that character, uh-huh. I chose to get angry about uh-huh. that as my reaction to it and start throwing bottles around, which was <laughs> just it was so immersive, much more immersive than.
2: There's a big monster. Shoot it!
1: Yeah, that's it. Or, right. or even, oh, do you want to talk to this person, or do you want to kill them? Um, <laughs> making that kind of
2: character-driven.
0: Yeah, or... yeah.
1: And you know, yeah. I don't know whether that would the the immersion ends because the bottles don't smash, <laughs> which is a shame. Oh, okay. But, um, but that's you know, we're moving towards a slightly more uh-huh. immersive. Um, that's the true Role playing. Yeah. yeah, that's it. It's you know, or I could, I was talking to the, um, the developer afterwards, Manas, and...
0: He sounds like a cool chap.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he said that, you know, what he's trying to, to implement is that if you put all the bottles in the bin, that'll, uh, you know, there's nothing flagging up that you have to do anything with the bottles. Oh, well, uh, that's me if...
2: in the entire first section of, um, Soma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just wandering around <laughs> cleaning up this
1: apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, if you put them all in the bin, that will have a knock-on effect. Maybe someone comes around at some other point oh, and wow. sees something. Uh, the other okay. thing he was saying about was well, if you're typing a response to uh, an email, uh, you don't have to actually physically type it out. But if you, it's going to, he's intending for the words to come up kind of in real time as they would if you were typing them. But so is it, is it based
2: on what's coming up on screen? Is that? gonna be based on the movements that your hands are making? No, I think
1: you can uh that's a slightly more traditional branching thing of you can reply to an email and you can pick one of three ways of oh, replying to, reply okay. to mm-hmm. it,
0: basically. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> um and and yeah he the intention is that if you look away from the screen while you're typing it, typos will come into it, oh, <laughs> which brilliant. is really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's going to be very interesting. So all of those things I really liked, and yeah, yeah. the the potential for role play in that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Although the, I did feel like having having trained and worked as an actor for a while, um, yeah, I did feel like enough. I. I was lacking an audience in a way, um but, oh really, yeah, it felt kind of it felt great to be able to do this and make this character choice, but I guess it comes back to that thing that I love about fable, where the people react to you okay, I don't know, I mean, maybe there would have been some knock on consequence of flinging the bottles about. I don't know, um you
2: needed another but, character in the game to react to you yeah, it kind of yeah. felt
1: like i I needed something to respond to to uh-huh. my action in the game.
2: I wonder if that is one of the things that's God kind of put me off a little bit. I don't like that word that I didn't find as engaging in no man's sky is that yeah? why, why am I doing it?
1: Hmm. it's a great uncaring universe,
2: yeah, 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 and like the most reaction I'd ever get out of something is it's going to try to kill me now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is that's definitely a uh Solitary, lonely game,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I—I I guess intentionally so. I think um, so. Oh,
2: I think it feels very so. deliberate, and I admire it for doing that. I think it's mm. very much about giving you a, a kind of um, mindfulness space. Mm. Yeah. Just—I don't know that I
0: necessarily I want to spend time in that.
2: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I am I am frustrated by how disappointed people are with it. Not not even in terms of the marketing, which we'll talk about at some point, but, yeah. I mean, people talking about, oh, it's boring, oh, there's nothing to interact with. Well, they never said there was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, I know I'm tipping onto the marketing section, but, I yeah, I, I, I think it's telling that people have had such a strong reaction to a game that doesn't force you to be combative yeah <laughs> yeah hello <laughs> no, that is interesting yeah uh,
1: well, well we'll come to that in a sec uh, i'll just finish off talking about the. Circle. yeah yeah sorry um, i wasn't
2: i wasn't trying time, to lead into it
1: no 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 that's fine um but that does segue really nicely <laughs> i know <laughs> now, now it's not going to at all um but the so the the in-between bit between these two scenes of me sitting at the computer and the bottle spearing
3: appearing mm
1: was this sort of slice, slightly hallucinatory uh, third-person bit where mm-hmm. I was at a club and deciding on whether to go to the men's or the ladies' room. Oh,
3: my God.
1: And I had the a silhouette. Oh, I wish I'd so played this. It sounds great. It was really cool. I um, had a, a silhouette so I could tell that I was wearing a skirt or a dress mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I chose...
2: Mm -hmm. No, I'm just thinking that a decision like that, I mean, while it doesn't really have consequences outside the game space, and ultimately it is a game, so if if you felt threatened by something that happened in the game, you could reload it, try it again. Um, Whereas in real life, I would have thought people in, in that kind of situation would have... So I'm not. I'm, I'm conscious that I'm forcing my own expectations onto something that I've not actually been through. But if it were me, I would have put a lot of research into which restroom to use. Mm. You know what what's going to cause the least stir. And in a big metropolitan city like London, maybe there's certain there might be some kind of trail of advice for what places are going to be more See where accepting. Because the you're playing it cold, yeah. you have no basis of mm, research, other, other than the show Transparent, which actually has this exact issue in an mm. episode. That's a really good show. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of an unfair, but unfair is not a very nice way mm. to put it, or if it's actually more advantageous to a player who won't go through something like this in their life to make them think about how dire of these decisions can be yeah that so, okay um
1: the yeah so then well, I chose the ladies and then effectively there were these silhouettes of uh naked women in front of me and then one of them kind of just grew and towered above me and it was just yeah it was a really sort of spooky and interesting experience that you kind of really felt you you kind of understood what that meant what the the sensation that that you know you felt so small all of a sudden um and yeah it felt so uh weird around you um just that kind of experience and I'm thinking of something like um, Life is Strange here, where in the last chapter, spoilers sort mm-hmm. of, not for plot, but um, just for, for tone. Um
0: that's no. uh, Yeah.
1: So yeah, in the last chapter, where it goes from being wandering around in the real-ish world, so then you're wandering around in that kind of fractured mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. Uh, something like that experiencing in the same way mm-hmm. suddenly would be a lot more impactful, whereas when you're still sitting on your sofa
0: mm-hmm.
1: b- watching the game on the TV screen yes, the surroundings have changed and are now fantastical, whereas they weren't before but it doesn't as the, the impact is so much lessened
2: You're still playing um, it in the same yeah, way Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
1: it um, So I, I think if VR does take off, I think it could be very interesting for these kinds of tonal shifts. And, um, yeah, moving from reality to fantasy, or something like Batman, uh, the Arkham games, Mm -hmm. uh, the Scarecrow bits. um, Oh, yeah. Like, shift out from whatever the VR would be to...
2: In a a conventional... hmm. 2d console game it's still really powerful when it happens and that bit in um life is strange one of my favorite bits mm. I, I know you didn't get on with it as much but i really enjoyed it
0: okay. yeah.
2: um so yeah that would be amazing well that i i sort of thought of it a few minutes ago but didn't didn't say anything for once i didn't interrupt you <laughs> um so what we were saying about the wii sport being a nice gimmick and woohoo that was fun to play okay now let's get on with it things we already know about um I, I guess a gimmick is stuck being a gimmick when it can't find its purpose when it when it only mm. ceases to present something that you're already familiar with in a slightly wacky way yeah
1: it's just a different way of interacting with the system
2: yeah as yeah. opposed to giving you a new experience
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: um and what i really expected from the Wii, and i'm sure many people did was I, I wanted a fencing scenario. I wanted to get into a sword fight and actually have a bloomin' sword fight. Yeah. And the closest game I played to that was Zelda. And, oh, God, it was so tedious because the motions that you had to – Zelda – I can't remember which one. The ones Twilight on the Princess, is that it? Yes, yeah, that was right. Hmm. Oh, um, you get these little tutorials for sword fighting, and the motions you have to make are just so unintuitive, counterintuitive and just tricksy and if you just don't flash your wrist at quite mm-hmm. the right pace it doesn't count and you don't get any sense of the errol flynn mm. daring and and you know swashbuckling that you are holding this gadget in your hand yeah. the thing thinks is a sword why can i not move it like a sword so i think the technology just hadn't caught up to people's expectations so it remained gimmicky
0: yeah
2: um Whereas this sounds like it can exactly
1: yeah, absolutely. meet
2: those expectations, even if we're not entirely sure what our expectations are at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's sort of a new, the uh, <laughs> to quote um, Constantin in uh, Chekhov's The Seagull. Oh,
2: God, because we didn't believe you when you said you were <laughs> an actor before. <laughs> um,
1: new forms, new forms. That's what we're approaching with games, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the reason that it's partic- I found that particularly exciting is if, um, you know this, but, um, viewers, listeners, readers, whoever you are, <laughs> you, you there.
2: Children, boys
0: and girls.
1: Um, if you've had a read of my personal blog, uh, com plug, um, I talked a little while ago that I was starting to write a game myself. Um, so I've written various bits, novel and this, that, and the other, uh, hadn't tried writing a game. So I thought I'd try writing a game. I decided I'd try and do everything myself just to get an overview of developing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so got stuck in using Game Maker Studio, or Game Maker or whatever it's called, and did a bit of animating stuff, and created some assets, a bit of coding, and kind of the writing got left behind a bit. So actually, uh, okay. and then I got a bit stuck with the coding as well. So, uh, but then I realized that what I was actually making,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I'm making it for something that I can point people towards and say, Hey, look, here's a game I've written. Hire me to write yours. Yeah. It wouldn't actually be particularly good because I was spending so much time trying to get the basics of animating and coding and that right. down.
2: But, you know, it's well, good to
1: understand how that works, mm-hmm. but
2: you fell into the trap that every developer ever. Yeah,
1: basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I've rethought, and I'm now uh I've got a couple of twine projects on the go um which is just the the sort of text based um mm-hmm. uh visual novel well not even visual novel kind of novel kind of thing with interactive elements mm-hmm. uh that you can pick and choose what options are taken, so doing that kind of thing and it's very much a real world set real thing and isn't something that i could see particularly working as your know, traditional game. It's just going to be kind of a, a short choice-based story um, to to show that I can write some choice and consequence and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's set in a, in mundane surroundings. Um, uh, it's about someone going to visit their gran uh, in an old people's home and deliver some news to them. And yeah, that that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. But having played the circle. I can now see how that could work in
2: VR. Your game could work in VR. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. and that kind of game. Um, I'm not going to try and implement that, um, because then I would be falling back into that same blunder. Um, But if something that is a real-world set, mundane environment, but, you know, conversation which has drama in it, uh, if you then... Explore the drama in that conversation through changing the uh, the environment that you're in in some way, enlarging things, uh, making things more fantastical, uh-huh. odd things creeping in at the edges at various points, uh-huh. all those uh-huh. kinds of things. Which, if you're just playing it on the normal TV, I don't think would do really bring much of anything to it. Okay. Um, whereas in an environment where you're right in the middle of it, uh-huh. I think that would actually impact on you emotionally and physically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, I think it's very interesting from that point Why
2: of view. Why is that? Do you think it's just tricking our our brain into thinking it's really happening? Yeah. Whereas we're so aware of the conventions of TV and film that we don't get the same. I mean, we went to see uh, Under the Shadow, it yeah. was it's called. Yeah. Um, that was one of the scariest films I've seen in cinema in a long time. It's gloomy, marvelous. But so it was a very scary experience. Even though I was perfectly aware mm. I was just set in a cinema watching a film. Yeah. So do you think it's the the quality of that transcended my the conscious barriers I put up knowing that it wasn't real?
1: Yes, and also I think, I mean, I think this is why cinema works because you're in, you're watching it on a massive screen, so it's all you can see, and it's yeah. darkness around
0: you, yeah, uh,
1: which is as close as you can get to being immersed right in it. That's uh,
2: true. That a cinema, a good cinema, is a closer VR experience than for most people watching at home would be.
1: Yeah, and and I'd argue closer mm. than wearing 3D glasses because. That oh, is just distracting.
2: They're so <laughs> distracting. They yeah. don't work and they're uncomfortable. Stop yeah. making us wear them.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think that it could be very interesting if as long as the games that get developed for VR are that kind of thing mm-hmm. rather than just a new version of Duck Hunt or
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, a new uh, first-person shooter where you do get to move around as well mm-hmm. and it's duck hunt um, yeah. <laughs> or whatever it may be so I know there, there was some talk about the Batman VR game but I, didn't, I haven't tried that I don't really know what that would be um, but yeah just if there are more games coming like The Circle for VR then it might have to be something that I do investigate after all which would be very exciting Ooh. another step closer to uh, to the Deck.
2: Yeah, it is, yeah. Weirdly, though, how would you ever share that experience? I mean, I think one of the things which is both fantastic about video games but has stopped video games from seeping into mainstream so-called acceptability is that you can't ever really share your experience. Because mm. um, even even if it's like a conventional AAA game that you you can play and someone can watch you play they're still not having quite the same experience because you're the one in the driver's seat Yeah. Um, whereas with VR that's, that opportunity is completely eliminated uh, knowing so little about the technology at the moment the closest thing I can think would be if someone else buys another VR set and then just sits in your world watching you
1: but what what about books reading
0: a book
2: but the thing is you're not you're not steering the character in a book Mm. the only the only thing that would make your interpretation of a book different to someone else's is your personal baggage that you bring to it but you're reading the same book that someone else is Mm. whereas in a game you'll always have a slightly different variant on the game Mm. and most of the games that are going to go down in history as the classics are ones where that variant changes more dramatically mm. than others um, not all of them I mean again I think of Last of Us which is such a clever little game for really feeling like you are those characters Joel and Ellie and yet you have no decision making capabilities in it whatsoever but it's so the characters are so well written that you might as well have yeah. character on the
1: yeah, I mean, I think that maybe that's where some of that hollow feeling was coming from afterwards. Kind of wishing I'd had an audience, if yeah, you like, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something in the uncaring world to uh, mm-hmm. to respond to me. So yeah, I, I think that is. Uh,
2: oh, you know so what? Wonder. That does remind me of that piece I started to tell you about in the Guardian. No, wait, I'm saying say it for the podcast. Um, so. I'll... Remind me, I'll put a link to it in our notes. There's a piece in the Guardian this morning. And boy, if this doesn't speak the, the merits of gamification, then I don't know what does. Um, so a German team, um, a crime scene investigation team, have been working with state-of-the-art VR technology, and we're talking state-of-the-art stuff that isn't coming to game expos, hmm. Um And have systematically recreated a first person interactive Auschwitz. Um, And they worked, the head of this crime team worked very closely with the um, archivist, head of archives for the main Auschwitz Memorial Museum, I can't think what it's called um to piece this together using thousands upon thousands of photographs to the extent that the placement of the trees mm. are accurate. And this is so that the I don't know who's going to review it, if it will be this crime team or lawyers or an independent team brought in. The point is they are going to put these literal Auschwitz VR headsets on.
0: Hmm. and move
2: through auschwitz as it would have looked per year to determine if the testimony of the surviving war criminals who claimed that they were innocent because they didn't know what was going on could be accurate
1: hmm oh wow
2: isn't that extraordinary That's, so yeah. he said there's the 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 guy that put this together on the crime team said there are he didn't give an exact number but he said dozens and dozens of perpetrators, guards at Auschwitz, who haven't gone to prison because the court didn't know what to do with their testimonial that they claimed they were innocent, they weren't aware what was happening. And of those dozens and dozens, he thought he didn't give a specific number, he said it was in double digits, would still be able to face jail time based mm. on their personal circumstances and health. Yeah. If this VR wow. case is yeah is used against them
0: where did they think the
2: people were going Extraordinary. Uh, yeah yeah that is oh my god he said um that he's been working in in he he said that he's the the person that often gets called to the crime scene first he's i can't think he's guess a forensics investigator maybe something along those lines um and has been doing it for years and years and years and he said he seen some pretty horrible crime scenes, but he's never seen anything to <laughs> the extent of the reenactments of Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Blimey. Yeah.
1: Don't think I'll give that one a go, thanks.
2: No, but isn't that isn't yeah, that extraordinary?
0: <laughs> it is bonkers. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, on that note, <laughs> Some more video games. <laughs> um, I think I'm kind of done with EGX type stuff. I played a few other games that were really good, but did you, not.
2: What did you think of uh, oh, yeah. Relapse?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Relapse, that was uh, part of a transfusion, I think it was called. Yeah, transfuse. Sorry. Transfuser. Um, it's a sort of funding competition mm-hmm. type thing. Um, puzzle adventure games set in an mm-hmm. asylum. Um, I didn't really play enough to really get a feel for it. Um okay. It felt like a puzzle game where you're running around an asylum. Okay. Um and the I think the the next bit that I would have got to that I stopped at because it was the about the first thing I'd done and I realised I'd taken a while to solve oh. the puzzle. Um and had a lot of other games to play. uh but I think there was then gonna be uh, a confrontation with the antagonist and
0: uh, that sort of a chase,
1: uh, which would have been stressful. Um, but it looked fine, looked good. I mean, the fact that well, me having tried to make a game as one person and uh, making a, a very very basic looking thing, uh, this thing is made by two people and looks mm-hmm. uh, looks very professional. it, <laughs> so, it but, was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. when
2: I got to talking to them, just I think, two or maybe three people, tops oh. had put it together
0: yeah
2: it looked great Mm. i liked the idea of it very much i didn't get to play it but it's um yes it was essentially a bit of a puzzly so you had to gather components to build things to move through the environment but the environment was this abandoned um mental hospital with an antagonist chasing you so i guess was it meant to be a bit like um alien isolation where your move—it's constantly hunting you.
1: I think so. Yeah, okay. yeah, That's that a was fantastic plan. idea. Mm, yeah.
2: Mental health issues aside.
1: Yeah, it was one of two games uh, that I saw. There may have been others set in uh, set in asylums. Oh,
2: yeah. um, was the other one that Italian game? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Which that was actually I think that was the focus of or the catalyst for. Um, one of the low batteries videos Mm. that Johnny Chiodini does on the Eurogamer Mm -hmm. channel about Asylums um, which is well worth a watch Mm -hmm. if uh, if you haven't seen it Um, yeah, to Town of Light something, The Town of Light I think that's called Um, which, yeah, that was that one was quite interesting but again
2: not the right atmosphere yeah,
1: absolutely, you needed to be immersed in it um, and not hear people Shouting about overcooked while <laughs>
2: you're
1: <Yeah. laughs> uh, well, yeah, trying to quietly poke through an abandoned asylum.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's also the pacing of these games. Like that one was very slow. If there was a run button, I could not find it. <laughs> um, but the atmosphere of VGX is quite manic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a nice atmosphere. It's fun to wander around in, and it's good to be manic when you're, you know, queuing up for something. So think of free tea. energy
1: drinks. So you know, yeah,
2: Um But. But then when you're playing this very plodding, introspective, maudlin game with no run button, it's just so so slow. (laughs)
3: Yeah,
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. I thought, um, because you and I went in looking, wondering if any topics that we talked about in the podcast were going to be particularly apparent
0: Mm. throughout
2: EGX. Um, Not hugely. Um, I mean, there were... A few examples of parents in games but the thing is, until we did the podcast, I hadn't really paid that much attention to parents in games anyway, so I don't know if it is kind of a new direction that games are going in or if it's just something that I've become aware of.
0: Mm. I would,
2: if I had to I'd say it is a new direction we're going in because Mm. when I was doing the research for it there were very considerably more modern games than ten years plus older games.
0: Um... Yeah, I'd Agree, it does certainly seem that way to me as well. Mm,
2: Yeah. Um, Oh, there's the so there were lots of parents and no mums in Horizon Zero Dawn.
0: Yep, yep,
1: yep, yep, Yep. absolutely. We
2: don't know what what's up with the parents in Little Nightmares.
1: No or in Tomorrow's Children. Um, That was the sort of oh
2: the Russian one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that looked good. Again,
1: that was one that really didn't benefit from. I think it's sort of. A bit Minecrafty, so there's lots of systems and things like that to get your head around, which you're just not going to be able to do. You not know? at all. Kind of uh, picking it up for 10 minutes in, uh, in that the, kind of environment.
2: The section that was in... Looked awesome, though. It really did. And the, the, phys- the feel of it was very nice. Mm. Um, so the section that was in, the layout was slightly different to the majority of EGX, where there were short, relatively fast-moving cues for specific games. And I, there wasn't a timer. I think you just, out of courtesy, played it for a couple minutes and then moved on. Um, so consequently, you just dipped in and out of these games mm-hmm. and they didn't restart, whereas most of the indie games had a very set yeah. timepiece that you were supposed to play mm-hmm. through. And when you were done, the devs would, or you know, the hosts, whoever it was, would restart the sequence. Yep. So I think in some ways this idea of just quickly dipping in and out of it without a real sense of plot or an introduction to it might have actually benefited it more because you weren't conscious of a ticking clock and how much information you had to take in and everyone's watching me make this decision. Um, I've played this from the beginning. I should know what to do by now. Yeah. Um, so I think those dipping your toe in might have been slightly more conducive. Mm. Oh, you know what else we tried with Bound?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I, you weren't as convinced on that, I don't
2: think. I wasn't as convinced just because you look like such a twat.
0: <laughs> I really like that. Flapping
2: it. your arms around with a queue of people behind you. <laughs> At home, yeah, I'd absolutely want to give it a go.
0: It,
1: it seemed like it was a sort of maybe journeyish style mm-hmm. game. Uh, and the the sort of gimmick, if you like, is that the player character is some kind of fantastical dancer uh so moves through mm-hmm. the medium of dance which was I love Yeah, idea. Really, really, really lovely nice and yeah. yeah the the sense of movement of that character yeah. is really nailed.
2: I'm surprised that's not been done more or at least more that gets talked about. Because why not?
1: Yeah, well I think animation hasn't been up to it until oh, the last five
2: years or oh, yeah. so. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um yeah.
1: but yeah maybe maybe there will be a bit more.
2: It's really interesting The more we probe the development of games, seeing just how influential Doom has been. And I know Doom wasn't the first of its kind at the time, Mm. but because it did it so successfully, it's just set the groundwork. Everything looks like a high-res version of Doom. Are you thinking Bound still? I'm thinking Bound is an exception.
1: Uh, okay. Cool.
2: I'm thinking think how many Bloomin' games. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm saying Bloomin' a lot for some reason. Um Jefferty, Oh uh, yeah. Are reminiscent of the Doom mechanics. Mm, yeah. And then bound it's, it's a rather really pretty game yeah. dancing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and again in white is it a triple A game? I don't know. actually. It was in the big section. It was in the grown-up section. <laughs> it was.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, was know, that? what else is in that section? Uh, oh, uh, farming 2017. Yeah, that was
2: was. funny. Are there brakes on a train? There must be.
1: I think there are. Did you? Could you not find it? I
2: them? couldn't. I could. I kept. I kept going through this like dumping station where I was supposed to get coal to fall into to the back <laughs> of the train, and I'd I'd whiz through it and then not be able to stop. But fortunately, I could work out how to like apparently my character could run really fast to the other end of the train and then reverse it and go back through no. the topics. I did that about four times and then just gave up. That nah. <laughs> sounds good. Um, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. so there was that one, uh, Bound, uh, Tomorrow's Children, Little Nightmares, and a few others that were all in that section. Yeah, I think they're, That's a
0: section. Yeah,
1: they're all... Yeah, I don't think they're the wee Indish-mindy ones. Mm-mm. Um yeah, I'll definitely go back to EGX then. I
2: yeah, I would. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to go for longer. Yeah. So I could take more time with things. Um
1: Yeah, maybe do all the indie stuff one day. Or yeah, oh, that'd like be that. nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, the other game that I noticed from a, a parenting point of view, not my parenting, parenting and games point of view, mm. was called Troll and I. Which looked really interesting, and then I got to playing it, and it didn't really feel very nice, and the graphics were a bit dodgy. Oh no! Yeah, but the the premise was so cool. I do want to check it out. So you're a young man, um, in a, a kind of miscellaneous Tolkien-esque fantasy world. I think I think it is a Scandinavian game. I don't know where from. Oh, you know what? No, the main character's accent was, I think, South African, actually. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember going, ooh, you don't hear that in video games. No. Um, And your character's village is destroyed. And so your character goes on a cross-country Tolkien-esque quest to get to their mother. Um, Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much the mother's in the game, but you're trying to find her. That doesn't happen often. And you're accompanied by um, a troll, a big giant Benevolent troll. Oh,
1: I thought you meant kind of a spotty oik running around behind you, shouting (laughs) racial slurs.
2: (laughs) Zing. Um, So then you can either, if you play it single player, you can either swap between the two characters, and one of them becomes AI, and they have to collaborate to fight enemies and climb and, and various other tasks. Or it probably would work best two player. Okay. Yeah. So that sounded really interesting. I just liked the the notion of it. I also kind of like that the troll is is your buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Trolls get a bad rap. They do. (laughs) Well, yeah, no thanks to Reddit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I really noticed in the indie games how many of them, and maybe this has always been the case, but it's not often that I get to just sit down and soak myself in indie games, were about 20-somethings, 30-somethings, Going through traumatic life events, sometimes taken very fantastically, allegorically, sometimes much more realistic. Um, and the game being this safe, private space to represent people of that age and of these types class types, race type, racial types um, getting through these events. Mm. Oh, that was quite interesting. Yeah. And...
1: Cool. Yes, yeah, more interesting than being a miscellaneous space marine.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Having a traumatic event that yeah. doesn't seem to impact on you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so, one game that really stood out for me was I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, Alia? Alia? A A L I Y A H.
1: Like the singer.
0: If you say so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are you making this up? I don't no, even know. I think she
0: died in like 2003 or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, True story. Sad.
0: Was she the uh, South American? I don't know. Pop? Okay. <laughs> I don't,
1: um. <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask. Looked like I knew stuff for a second.
2: So I only played the very beginning of it, but um, it looked really interesting. It was very, it was very modern arty, and I don't mean that in the flippant sense that I used it earlier, but just sort of very like primary colors, bold, bold shapes, strong lines. Um, Maybe a little bit Andy Warhol-esque. Being the only modern artist I can think of (laughs) off the top of my head. Um, But it's about um, British Asian women. How does that happen in video games? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, All the time. Oh, wait, no. And so I think, specific, so, she, so the, the developer I was talking to, was a quite interesting mm-hmm. woman, um, saying that it was based on something that she'd read about in a newspaper um, and had caught her imagination. So she and her team had kind of extrapolated it. So while the game isn't true life events, it's certainly reminiscent of true life events um, about um, a case of, I think it was, oh, it's so, so the, the actual newspaper story, I can't quite remember. It was a woman who was working in a supermarket in America and somehow, I think is it, it's a bag that someone leaves behind. Um, there's like a a sack of drugs, some kind of illegal yeah. pill ecstasy or something just sitting in the sack. Um, so this then the video game is kind of an extrapolation of that, about how that happened and where it goes, um, but told from the perspective of this, this main woman and um, whose best friend has um, been murdered or has gone missing or something like that um and so the main character is not only trying to find her but is trying to gather real world resources to be able to find her money mm. a car that kind of thing um so that's interesting yeah 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 i uh, very grown up i liked that Nice. 29, which I'd heard people talking about and I found, oh boy, did I not get on with the gameplay because it's point and click and I just can't do point and click to save my life um, <laughs> it's, it's the easiest of the gameplay styles I'm too good <laughs> I'm just too good I have, I have evolved beyond point and click um but that's something that's some kind of 30s well maybe maybe you're 29 you
1: know. i, I've I got reckon a feeling. you're 29 <gasps> maybe it's the eve of your 30th birthday i
2: think so because i think it's about some kind of existential crisis and then aliens arrive at your barbecue
1: <laughs> fair enough brilliant That'd trigger an existential crisis
2: brilliant and my favorite game I think although it was also the last one i played so it might uh-huh. have just been a case of oh god let this be a good one <laughs> it's called all the delicate duplicates mm. i think it's going to be pc only unless it gets picked up um and i found it really intriguing looked great and i really enjoyed wandering around in it which doesn't happen very often and it's a parent game mm. but no mother <laughs> uh, um so i don't know who you play as i couldn't quite tell if you're the father or the grown-up daughter but something's happened in their world that makes it go very very kind of david lynchian um it might be some kind of alien invasion or i, I just can't tell so you start off going through their home in the real world and as you explore it and interact with objects more and more peculiarities start stacking up in the world around you until ping you're launched out into this kind of lovecraftian ether world with greeblies and tentacles which looks i have a picture here oh, yeah. so for the viewer it, there's lots of orange and like um menacing miscellaneous skyscrapers in a otherwise Weird vacuous rocks. landscape yeah um and you move through this i suppose I didn't play it very long, so I didn't get too much of a sense. Um, there's a little person on the horizon who you keep trying to catch up with, and they're steering you through this landscape um, while your your character's having this monologue about how they got there. And it was really intriguing. I definitely want to try more of that. Ah, cool. Um, so, yeah, these are games of sort of 20s and thirties somethings people having, I guess, using fantastical allegory to represent real life changes and in some cases traumas. Um, yeah
0: more, of, guess, that sort yeah, of, thing, more please. of that
2: sort of thing. It makes sense because, you know, we're the generation that grew up playing games. Yeah. So now we're gonna use games to talk about the things in our lives mm. as n- and not just to help us escape from the things in our lives. Yeah. But it's a good time to be a gamer, I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and
1: I mean uh, life is strange has proved to that Kind of thing can be marketable oh, yeah. as well. Oh, she's slightly younger, but um, you so it's that kind of experience. Well,
2: nostalgia always sells. Um, gone mm. home. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Nice. Mm. Should
1: we move on
0: to our other topic? Mm-hmm. Do you want to
2: introduce her? I barely remember what I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Play uh, it again, Sam.
1: Well, um... Let's actually talk about some news and something that we are sort of qualified to talk about, given our, uh, our jobs. I'm more than well. sort of qualified. Well, yeah, we are hopefully eminently qualified. <laughs>
2: <laughs> out, of, out of all the people in this room, you and I are the most qualified to talk about this. That's true. Yeah. That's a fact. That
1: would stand up if the ASA were investigating.
2: Unless the Auschwitz crime team put their VR on and looked around the room.
1: <laughs> yes, Indeed. Um yes yeah, so uh we haven't mentioned it in this podcast but in the previous ones we have um we uh in our day jobs were looking at advertising and um that kind of thing and uh analyzing it from a social perspective and from regulatory perspective and looking for the nuance of meaning and wording and checking the claims and them are true and all that
2: kind of thing. Clearance. Yeah. So not just analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Making sure that what goes on TV is, in the ASA's words, truthful, legal, honest and decent.
1: And just this week, uh, the ASA started investigating a... Uh No Man's Sky.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
1: for a, a TV ad, for I think the stuff on the Steam page possibly.
2: Yeah. It?
1: So yeah, do you want to talk yeah. about
2: that's the Steam stuff? Um So the complainant has posted his so okay. So there's a dude who complained that the Steam page for No Man's Sky wasn't accurate to what you got in the game. You complained to the ASA. The ASA are launching an inquiry with Hello, Hello Games Yep, what? Hello Games. And Valve and Sony, who are partial publishers of No Man's Sky. They've published some of the versions of that. Um and so this dude has printed, published his response from the ASA on a Reddit site, which I can post a link to. Um, What I can't tell, none of this is, I mean we could talk about it, but nothing's been officially released from the ASA. Um, So what we can't tell yet is if he's the only complaint or not. I really can't tell actually. Something I read, I think it was the thing on Eurogamer, the article on Eurogamer, which is Kind of the first one to leak it, maybe. Um Said multiple complaints, and I can't tell if they mean multiple complainants or one person with multiple complaints.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: But either way, the ASA would still investigate that. The ASA get—I oh, they've told me how many complaints they get. It's a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's an improbable number because um, they look at advertising in general, not just TV. Yeah, and if they feel that there's grounds to a complaint, they ask they investigate, it's called a formal investigation, and the first thing they do is get in touch with the advertising body and the client, the advertiser, to ask for the information. Um so that's the stage that it's at at the moment. The Hello Games, Sony and Valve Self being the advertiser in this case, um, have been asked for a statement by the ASA, and if it's anything like TV, I imagine they have maybe th- about three weeks to respond.
0: Uh, a bit less than
2: that a bit less? Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah. So what? What is he? What is the complaint?
2: Um, that the content the description and the imagery on the Steam website weren't accurate to what he actually got in the game. And he did give the ASA a list, which is on the Reddit page, and it includes things like loading times, loading screens. Mm. Um, so the, as far as I can tell, Steam haven't... Changed the No Man's Sky website yet. Uh, which they don't have to unless the ASA particularly stipulates that they need to, and the ASA is extremely unlikely to do that until they have more information on anything.
1: Yeah, until they make a final.
2: Yeah. Really? Um, sorry, I've been distracted. Do I need now? What do no, you no. no. Now? Um, yeah, loading, uh, loading screens, um, combat factions um the wildlife on the planets would be would react in different ways um and i don't really want to i don't want to kind of have to speak up for hello games and say oh well obviously you've misunderstood um but at the same time from the little bit i've played and and more that i've seen you play i i do worry that well, it's procedurally generated. It's not going to be the same for everyone.
1: No, no. I, I think there's a, a bigger issue, at the the heart, which is we were sort of touched on earlier. About how you market a game in. Just kind of a, a nugget of time, which is hard enough with the mm-hmm. film. Film trailers um, don't get the started on how annoying film trailers are at the moment. Oh, spoiling films, boy! It was though, tangent, um, you're watching Brooklyn last night. Oh yeah, whatever it was. And I, I looked up at one point, twenty minutes from the end, and recognised a scene from the trailer. I was like, yeah, "It's
2: twenty minutes from the end! For God's <laughs> sakes, come on!" I know. Don't put that I, shit in a trailer. I know. As I said to you that. The trailer did leave out like the the stakes that were mm. involved in what you saw, so you don't really know how important this stuff is from the trailer. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that put you and I off from seeing the film anyway, even though it had a great cast. was We you know the whole film's been consolidated into a minute and a half. We're done. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, with with games in particular, I don't think you can you wouldn't be able to give a sense of the isolation and
0: mm. loneliness
1: of No Man's no. Sky really in in that kind of marketing material. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't yeah.
0: think
2: this, well, yeah. I suppose marketing material suffers a little bit of EGX syndrome, which is it has yeah. it's quite fast paced. It's very competitive because it's it's being boxed in by other advertisements. Um I rewatched the the trailer for No Man's Sky that was released at E3 in 2014. So I guess mm. the first, the launch trailer. Yes. Um, and again, I personally think it still looks accurate to what I've seen of No Man's Sky. The only thing that struck me as particularly out of um, context was the music. It had this really thumpy, dumpy, modern, electro mm. music. Now, I don't really recall any music in you know, Sky. So oh, yeah, yeah. There it's is. got a really good
1: soundtrack. Oh, yeah, kind of a yeah, a really nice electro soundtrack. Oh,
2: okay. But it's yeah. certainly, the ad was certainly trying to make it feel very um, fast-paced. What's the word I want? Um, fast-paced? Fast-paced, yeah.
0: Up-tempo? Fast-paced,
2: yeah, that kind of thing. Hmm. Whereas I've, my experience of you Nomad know, sky is much more um, mellow? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but not stress free. It's no. just found it really stressful. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, yeah. So so I'm am done picking holes in his argument because that's not really fair. Um. But to his credit, he issue he had a, a brief interview with um, Eurogamer, which I will put a link to, um, and was saying that he's not he's not mad at hello games he's not asking for a refund Mm. but instead he feels that this that no man's sky needs to be held up as an example of how misrepresentative games advertising is becoming Mm. and on that i completely agree with him Mm. and I, i i think that's really cool i just I worried that Hello Games are because there's already so much yeah, yeah. Uh, negative news about them. I just worry that this might be like the last nail in a coffin. But anyway, so, but if we just think about games marketing and games faulty representation as is, then yeah, this this is a really tricky, uh, thorny thorn mm. to get into. Um, <laughs> it's weird this because. When an advertisement is on TV, and and you've you've branched out a bit now, I still I still work specifically in TV. Um, The rules for getting something on TV are so thorough and so exact Mm. because basically the concern is that if you're watching an advert on TV, you're Inadvertently, almost accidentally, ingesting it, because you're trying to watch a program. Yeah. Adverts come up. You're not trying to watch the adverts. They're just getting morphed into your head. So consequently, they have to be fair and decent. Yeah. And honest and in line to an extent, if not tonally, um, with the program that you're watching, because that's what you signed up for. Yeah. Whereas the assumption is with pretty much every other form of advertising, um, which I disagree with. Um, you're there more of your own volition. Therefore, it's more your responsibility as the viewer to, de- to determine if you should be seeing that ad or not. So the legality for the policing of those ads isn't as strict. Would you agree? Uh,
1: well, yes and no. Um, I think certainly things like you know billboards within distances of schools and things like that, that context is still looked at, I think, from reading ASA rulings about um, print adverts. It um, is, yeah, so it is, but I, I don't context, think... Is.
2: Yeah, but in order to get an ad in print on a tube station, I don't think they have as many hurdles. They're not...
1: No, yeah, I'd agree yeah, there.
2: There's not hurdles. as much, like, fact-checking that hmm. goes into the ad yeah, as there is on TV. And yeah. I th- personally, I think that's a problem.
0: Okay, that's what I'm saying. Right,
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh yeah so so I think the rules that we in TV TV advertising look at probably should be applied or at least variants of those rules to online advertising and in this case specifically steam products um one of the big examples in this instance is that we're really cautious about if video game footage is shown on TV, we need written statements from the advertiser that the images are accurate, where those images are taken from, if they're cutscenes, if they're in game footage, if it's like, you know, sort of press release glossy imagery. Um to my knowledge, Steam doesn't need to advertise and doesn't need to, to state where the images that you're seeing of the game are from. Mm. So they might be showing you parts of a game that you realistically won't play because they were, you know, they could be like for it was crazy um, some to kind give of a, HD release. Yeah, or
1: to give a flavor of it rather than actually being in the game or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so I think making more advertising outlets accountable and clear about what they're advertising is definitely the right way to go. Mm. Um and I don't think, from reading the responses on Reddit, I don't think people quite realize how big a game changer this could be, mm. which is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's been some talk about, oh, well, if, if a complaint says... I've seen something in an ad for this game that's not in the game. And the ASA go, hey, you're right. That is a problem. Advertiser, what do you say about that? And the advertiser were to say something like, oh, well, that's DLC. We haven't made it yet, but we were planning on it. The fear is that the ASA would turn around and go, but you're already pretending that it's available. You haven't made it yet. That's illegal. You're selling something that you haven't got stop doing that and the fallout would be we don't get dlc that's bogus that's not going to happen yeah the asa is smart they come from all walks of life they're they're professionals they're highly trained in this mm. they look at thousands of ads across multiple spectrums and they are thorough as fuck mm. if if in the unlikely event that an exe- a complaints executive dealing with this wasn't aware of how dlc works they would find out yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: So that's not—we're not going to get our games taken away from us because a bunch of snooty, fun police <laughs> no. don't understand what gaming's about.
1: No, 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 I don't think so.
2: They can't take my games. They're they coming for my games. Precious games. Um. So while I would like to see more advertising outlets being conscious of what they're advertising and clear truthful decent legal and honest about what they're advertising i i'm also a little worried that consu- game consumers are forgetting that these aren't mass produced made in factory products that these are art yeah and While people stupidly still argue if games are art, I'm working to the assumption that they are. Mm. And no one seriously complains that a film trailer is misrepresentative. happens all the time. When it does, you're a bit pissed off. You might say something about it to your colleagues at work the next day, and then you get on with your lives. Mm. But I think we let it go because we understand that film is an art. It's a messy form. And while it's mass produced to the extent that it's shown en masse, Mm. it has to be created from scratch. And I think most people have a basic understanding that those creative people that made the film aren't the same people that are making the adverts that are going on TV. And that there's a little bit of a dichotomy there. And we also kind of get, we're not happy about it, but I think we get that we're being bamboozled. Mm. It's a little bit of a snake oil salesman. We know that they're trying to get us to see this film. We're taking the trailers with a pinch of salt. And if we think the trailer looks great, then that's kind of a rare pleasure. Most of the time, I think trailers are just Give you a sense of what's going on, and then, mm. and then you go from there. So I think I wonder if people take video game trailers too literally.
1: Yeah, they might do. I think again, it comes back to that thing of, for a film, you're you're out two hours of your life if the trailer misrepresented it, and twenty quid, and. Yeah. Yeah these days <laughs> yeah actually price wise they're not as different. Yeah. Um
2: well no a new game 60 quid.
1: Yeah. Um beer yeah, for a game though I guess if you're not enjoying it then it might only be 2 hours you're out but for something like No Man's Sky that's you know a couple of hundred hours that you might be putting into it or I mean even it was certainly a factor when we decided to go for a PS4 for this generation rather than the Xbox mm, One. Yes. In the previous generation, we had Xbox 360s. Mm-hmm. Um, the big deciding factor were the games that were going to be um, mm-hmm. just on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. One of which, uh, not the only one, but mm-hmm. one that was definitely part of the deciding factor was No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if people that feel let down by No Man's Sky for whatever reason mm. made that kind of choice and so it's not just a case of oh I bought this game and it's not quite what I thought it was It's oh I got a PS4 instead of an Xbox One but my mates have got Xbox Ones because mm-hmm. they didn't but I got a PS4 so I can't play with them anymore but I get to play No Man's Sky oh. <laughs> um, I don't know maybe it's, it's a slightly there are slightly bigger decisions and more time around games than there is in going to do a film I Mm -hmm. I wonder if that that affects things in any way, in terms of how people feel about the trailers misrepresenting and that kind of thing. And because games are so broad, with a film, unless it's an art film or Terrence Malick or something like that, Mm -hmm. then you kind of know what you're signing up for. You're signing up for two hours of a beginning, a middle and an end, Mm -hmm. and either some crying or some blowing up, depending on what genre <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Um, whereas in a game, are you getting The Witcher 3? Are you getting uh, Tetris? <laughs> are you getting Pac-Man?
0: Mm-hmm. Are
1: you getting Bound? Are you getting Tomorrow's Children? Mm-hmm. Like they're Such very different experiences that I, I wonder if that's Something with the trailers trying to appeal to as broad audiences as possible, um maybe game sell trailers, them, yeah. yeah, maybe sell themselves short in other ways, uh-huh. um by yeah, by trying to give a flavor of the whole mm-hmm. when game is being such a broad thing, you may not have a frame of reference for exactly what that whole is, mm-hmm. um yeah, I wonder if, if that somehow makes people feel they haven't quite understood what game they were getting into.
2: Yeah, I don't, well, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's exactly the same with film, but as you say, there's there's probably more consequence to it in gaming. More expensive, more time consuming, um, and it's often a more personal experience than film. Hmm. So yeah. yeah, you're signing up for that personal experience, and having paid a lot of money for it. Um, suppose a lot would be alleviated just if as i've said before if other advertising streams were more clear about what it is they're advertising i mean just say where the game footage is from Mm. that's going to solve a lot of problems yeah and then even if it doesn't even if people then turn around and say oh well i was watching um on a, a shrunken screen on my phone in the corner while I was emailing, at least Steam would have the right to go. Hey, we labeled it. If you're mm. not looking at it, that's your responsibility now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting the the games marketing departments to match up with the development development teams needs to be done. I agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see why uh, it's the last thing anyone wants to do is stick something saying,
0: this isn't actually the game that
1: you're going to be playing in the corner of the screen. But, yeah, at the same time.
2: Eh, man up. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> don't sell something you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> um, um... Yeah, interesting to see where the Steam refunds are going. Oh, from From an advertising clearance and compliance point of view, it almost feels like steam refunds were an alternative to being more clear about the advertising. So you can still have misleading advertising and then just give someone their money back rather than... How do
1: the steam refunds
2: work? It's it has to be... Claimed within fourteen days and less than two hours of gameplay. Okay, yeah. And I th- I can't remember if that's across absolutely everything or just certain titles at the moment. Mm. Because obviously there's a lot of games that are going to be less than two hours long. Yeah. So I, I know that's something Steam, look- Steam are looking at. I can't remember what they've concluded mm. at this point.
1: That's a good, um, good option I think for. It
2: is in theory. Yeah. In theory, it's really great, mm. but it's not going to solve the problem. No. No. And stop picking on No Man's Sky. Yes, <laughs> agree. <laughs> yes. I happen to like it. Mm.
1: I haven't gone. I, interestingly, I haven't felt the need to go back to it since we talked about it on the podcast mm. a few weeks ago. Um, but I, yeah, it's not because I'm not going to go back to it. Just there's lots of other cool games out too.
3: Oh God!
1: <laughs> Think of the games. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to
2: say on that front? Oh, I'm gonna do a plug, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Just that if any developers are listening, um and lovely people that we chatted to at EGX or Develop Brighton, um and you are thinking about launching your game, even if you're just doing some Twitter self promotions, um, then you're welcome to give us a, a a shout on um the conversation what is it? At the convo tree. At the
1: convo tree on Twitter. Uh, or the conversation tree at gmail dot com.
2: Yeah, ask even give you some free and partial advice and maybe partial advice as well <laughs> <laughs> um, um about maybe legal things that you'd want to consider like um some advice about timing restrictions uh, and the nitty-gritty stuff like here, here's your free tip if you how's this work i can't remember now off the top of my head um so you have a game that you're talking about on twitter and you're searching hashtag mentions of your game and you see someone who's just said, some random person that you don't know has just said this is the greatest game ever everyone needs to play it that's fantastic they're allowed to say that they have no affiliation with you as the game developer whatsoever it doesn't count as advertising it doesn't count as promotion it's just their opinion if you retweet it as the game developer it's advertising you need to get their permission and you are liable If anyone queries the legitimacy of that tweet, it's your responsibility to prove that it is a good opinion and not something that you've paid for in some way. So So, there's your free tip. But things like that, if you want some more advice, because it's it's definitely a tricky one. And I just wanted to end with a quote from Peter Molyneux, who gets advertising just spot on every time. Oh, bless his little cotton socks. (laughs) Poor guy, he just can't. I think he just opens his mouth and nonsense comes out. <laughs> he really reminds me of. So, Walt Disney, when Walt Disney started, Walt Disney did start as an animator, didn't he? And then he, in the 30s, no, actually it's probably later than that, it's probably into the 40s, he realized that his company was tanking and that the animation he wanted to make wasn't making money. And I believe I've never read an autobiography, but I am a Disney fan. So I, my, my understanding is that sometime around there, he took a step back from being the creative force and he became the economic force of Disney studios. And he then farmed the creative talent out to other people. And he was always very nourishing of creative talent to an extent. I know that there were um, union problems in the sixties, although he was on his way up. then. anyway, um, But to this day, he remains an example of how to marry creative talent with money making. Hmm. All other politics aside. Um and I think Peter Molyneux has never got his Disney hat on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He
2: he's he's the business head and he's a creative talent, but he doesn't know how to just step back and go, you know what? I'm just gonna juggle the books for a while and get on with it. Yeah. Um So with that in mind, here's a quote that he gave to Rock, Paper, Shotgun, which I'll post a link to. He said, anything that involves creativity, you may think it should be a defined process, but it's not. And the reason that it's not a defined process is that the people who work on it aren't robots. And you can't predict whether someone is going to be brilliant and you give them a piece of code to do and they do it in a day or whether they're going to take a month to do it. And that's the problem with creativity. Being creative is a very, very unpredictable force. And you try your best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. So, stop picking on your men's guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time uh, with a topic yet to be decided that we'll be going nice and in depth on.
2: We might do some Halloweeny things somehow. Oh yeah, creepy things.
1: I' am um you can find us on Twitter at the Convo Tree. our website is the uh send us any questions at the conversation tree at gmail.com uh, and uh, give us a review on YouTube um, on not YouTube on iTunes if you find us there as well that would be much appreciated uh, and have a fun fortnight
2: bye bye
0: video games cause the apocalypse.